Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim, and today I'm joined remotely by uh, Hossam. Hossam, you are indeed, you are indeed joined remotely by me. We haven't, I haven't seen your face in about 24 hours. 24 hours. I am currently in a stage or a state of self-isolation um, due to the novel coronavirus. Um, we're actually going to be, that's going to be the main topic of conversation for this podcast. But before we get onto that, um, Hassam and I have actually spent uh, four or five days together in Turkey. Um, we were filming for our Ramadan um charity appeal uh, we're raising money for penny appeal inshallah we went and saw the work they're doing on the ground we helped to prepare food boxes and hygiene packs which are going to be taken into syria and distributed to families in a camp um, we also met some of the beneficiaries of the work that penny appeal are doing out there um Hussam, we haven't actually i haven't actually asked you this but like what were your kind of thoughts on the trip overall uh, I think first of all, it is uh, it was a it was a great insight for me because uh, I was unaware of the work that Penny Appeal do, and I think it's amazing uh, the extent to which they organise and provide assistance to, for, for for refugees over there yeah. um, in Turkey and in Syria, and um, it, it was a humbling experience to be honest with you because it. It kind of uh, my, my my family originally from Iraq and um, they they came in the 80s, but it was it was I think you know I I, I don't think I remember uh, the the at the time what what the people coming from Iraq were going through, and I I wouldn't try to you know uh, make anyone seem worse or better, but uh, it kind of put me in the shoes of uh you know these people and made me realize what dire situation they're, they're going through currently and what we should try and do more of to help the people around the world that are currently suffering it, it makes it very kind of real it's, it's actually coincidental that it's um i think the one year anniversary or, or or sorry not one year sorry the nine year anniversary of the start of the war or like you know the, the conflict in syria been, yeah it's been going on for nine years um That's and and for us sitting here in the uk it's very easy for it to just be like a news item um, yes. and something that you can switch on and off but we went out there and, and one of the days we spent basically half a day um meeting families and and delivering some assistance to their homes and i think it was what was quite difficult about that is that in the conversations we had with them pretty much everyone has has lost a child most of the families that we met had had, had lost a child and they just had to kind of carry on like that it, it didn't not it didn't matter of course it mattered but like they had the issue of survival to deal with um and they had other kids to look after and and the whole country is is experiencing some form of deep trauma um yeah but it's just like their reality now and it's like every every household i went to i really wanted to just empty out my pockets and give them everything i had then i'd go to the next house and i'd want to do exactly the same thing um and and it's just heartbreaking to see the situation these people find themselves in um so yeah I, I mean we're really hoping to be able to raise fifty thousand pounds in ramadan we're going to be launching the um the crowdfunding appeal soon in the next couple of weeks um when you guys see it obviously we'll mention it on the podcast as well but please do um donate generously and 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 help us try and make some small difference in in their lives um so coming back to the the conversation of of this week's podcast 
uh, it's a bit of a, a, a hurried one in terms of the prep and the planning that we did because um, because the world has gone mad. Because, yeah, I mean, funnily enough, when we were out in Turkey is when all this stuff was escalating and we weren't sure at one point if we were going to be allowed back into the UK, if flights were going to be cancelled from Turkey and whatever else. And obviously, as you guys are aware, coronavirus has pretty much taken over everything um, globally. So we wanted to be able to kind of discuss that. As I said, I'm I'm in a in a state of of self isolation. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if I need to be. I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll ask we'll ask our friend uh, Adam Adi Doctor, Doctor Adam Doctor Adam Doctor Adam. Um, he's he's a, a friend of both of ours. We've known him for. Um, I, I don't I don't think you actually know this. I've known him since I was five years old. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that would be. 20 something years I've known him for. Don't give away your age. <laughs> not, not your government age, man. Don't, don't tell them that. Then they'll have everything they need to know. It's younger than you. Don't worry. That's fine. That's all <laughs> Hussam only gives up his first name on this podcast for a very specific reason. Um, Hussam X is what we're going to call him from now on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we're talking to Dr. Adam Ali, who's a junior doctor who has been working with Public Health England um, and assisting at Heathrow Airport, I believe, um, screening patients coming from at-risk countries for coronavirus and, and everything else. So he's not, I mean, he, he gives his whole disclaimer at the beginning, which you can listen out for, but he doesn't claim to be an expert in on this specific issue but has obviously dealt with but he is definitely an expert in comparison to a lot of the people throwing out information into the world. yeah basically take all the whatsapps whatsapp forwards and messages that you've got um and and i guess park them to one side because i think what's important and this is something we do briefly discuss but it's about finding actual cold hard facts um rather than just conspiracy theories and everything else um i think it's it's important that people get a hold of this and, and look at it from a, a genuine and, and a, a proper perspective as opposed to just you know whatever um, whatever forwards you're getting that week but yeah I think that's pretty much it I've rambled on for long enough for Sam's giving me the eyes over the, the Skype chat so here's our conversation with Dr. Adam so Salam Adam thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast today Alaikum Salam thank you very much for having me it's a pleasure to be here uh, so it, this is slightly um, unconventional in terms of the fact that normally we'd be meeting in the office. Um, you live conveniently like five minutes down the road. Mm. Um, but I've, I, I've put myself into self-isolation as a lot of people have done up and down the country. Now, I, I, I do want to kind of run through my circumstances probably down the line in the, in the conversation. And, and you can tell me if I've made the right move or not. But sure. uh, obviously, we're framing this conversation around the fact that, you know, we live in... A time of coronavirus um and i think when it first kicked off in china a couple of weeks back people didn't really take much notice um i actually funny enough was was like reading the news every day and seeing it escalate and i thought this is going to hit us at some point um i didn't go out and buy toilet paper at that point but that's um mm. i still haven't really got that much in the house but that's a separate issue um but i, I think you were also around the same time you you began working at heathrow airport um yeah uh screening patients i believe so i think before we get into the 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 conversation about coronavirus and and drawing on some of your experiences and and i'm just going to use you as the kind of doctor that i know and ask you a bunch of questions yeah um, do, do you have some fun disclaimers for us 
Yeah, so just as we were discussing earlier, so I'm a junior doctor working in London across uh, different accident and emergency and general medicine wards. Um, I don't have any particular training in epidemiology or public health or infectious diseases, but... Um, what is epidemiology? Um, well, well, epidemiology? Wait, hang on, sorry, that was very well pronounced, Sam, thank you. Uh, epidemiology is the medical and research specialty that pertains to population medicine. So looking at health populations as a whole, as opposed to an individual. So those kinds of specialists are the ones that are most needed in these kinds of scenarios. Yeah. Um, so my disclaimer is, I'm not really an expert in this field. I'm a junior doctor working, who's essentially been recruited by Public Health England to cover this time of emergency, essentially. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, uh, Public Health England have an enhanced uh, monitoring program, which they've started at Heathrow Airport, which I think started at the end of January 2020. Yeah. Um, so I've been at Heathrow, based at Heathrow since the start of February. So was that in direct response to the coronavirus uh, outbreak? Uh, yeah. So, of course, Public Health England and the government have been aware of the the outbreak of the virus. Obviously, I think it was since early December, unless I'm mistaken. So, um, yes, it was a direct coordinated uh, surveillance operation and enhanced monitoring operation in response to the outbreak. So I, I know that pretty much currently global um, airline transport is almost shut down. But yep. w what does that whole process in include? Because I've <clears throat> I've travelled a few times in the last couple of weeks, um, and I've had actually subsequent travel cancelled. But it, it beyond like a heat um, camera type thing, that seems yep. to be all all that people were doing. Is that correct? So so uh, the as part of the enhanced monitoring program that we ran at Heathrow, uh, we didn't use to screen people with temperatures or heat cameras or anything like that. Um, the way our program worked was, I don't know if you've heard the C of the CDRM approach that the government has released in its papers, which is no. the... Um, no, please explain. So there's the kind of sequential approach to this pandemic, as it's now been declared, which is known as CDRM, and that's contain, delay, research and mitigate. And those are kind of the steps that you would adopt to try and tackle a pandemic of this scale. So in the early stages of the point at which this program was set up, we were in a kind of a containment phase whereby the disease wasn't widespread, it wasn't spread in the community. And therefore, the epidemiological approach was to contain isolated cases. So if you think someone has coronavirus, you contain them and quarantine them away from everyone else yeah. and make sure that you perform very strict contact tracing to try and see how they got it. So that is how the um, how the operation started. So what that means is we didn't use to screen people's temperatures, but if someone had symptoms, they would be expected to report it. Um, so it was based on people reporting their own symptoms. So to summarize, the process that essentially would happen would be that we were screening flights from high-risk areas yeah. which generally were in Southeast Asia in and around China, where there were documented cases of coronavirus. And there was a case definition, which was created, that described someone who might have coronavirus. Uh, and we've not used it in a while because it's changed a lot, but essentially it was someone with cough, fever, or shortness of breath. Yeah. So they had to have those clinical criteria, and they also had to have epidemiological criteria or exposure criteria. So, for example someone has been in contact with a confirmed coronavirus case, or, for example, someone has traveled to Hubei province in China or mainland China or Wuhan or Singapore, uh, you know, other such countries around around China. So that was the case definition that we used initially. And what, what we would do is for every single flight entering Heathrow from those areas that were pre-specified, 
the cabin crew would have to do an in-flight announcement asking if anyone had any of those symptoms. And if they did, they'd have to report it to the cabin crew, who would then report it to us, uh, to our unit at Heathrow. So, um, so at, at that point, uh, had anyone who were, were showing those symptoms and decided not to uh, identify themselves would, would go ahead and come through to the UK? That's correct. That's correct. So if someone chose not to declare their symptoms, then that would kind of be on them. And, and would that not then be a case of, uh, it would be quite problematic, right? Like that could obviously enhance the spread of, of this disease. And also the fact that, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, some people don't even display symptoms. That's um, correct. So, and <clears throat> okay, there's quite a lot, I think, to unpack. So there's, the, the, I think the problem for a lot of people like, like me and Hussam is that we get a bunch of forwards on WhatsApp. There was one that Hossam um, shared with me the other day, and it was uh, a guy that didn't sound like he was part of any sort of um, governmental organization, but he had like a relative's sister who knew someone who was in the army who said there was going to be a lockdown on Friday. Um, and, and, and that Friday is now here. We're recording this on Friday, and there's yeah. no lockdown. Um, yeah. But alongside well, it's, that... It's now five o'clock, so there'll be a conference. Oh, so at five o'clock, we're going to be locked down. Possibly, we never know. Okay, cool. So you're still believing that one, right? That's fine. Alongside that, a bit sad. We're missing the press conference. It makes we're missing the briefing. Well, well, maybe we can pull it up. If there's anything exciting, we can discuss it. Yeah, um, needs a live feed because obviously get out the popcorn. And that it's very. I think it's very nice to be honest. So, I'm enjoying the press conferences. It's nice to demonstrate that communication from the government to the people. And I think <clears throat> one of the main grievances that I've come across from both uh, doctors and people who aren't doctors is that they don't feel they're being communicated with enough. Yeah. I think this government's approach is... But you know, I, still, is I, I still feel like we're, we're being played in a sense. Like a lot of it is people management as opposed to like actual science. Do you know what I mean? Because, uh, because if we look at the lockdown, right? The lockdown was kind of leaked to a lot of the papers, including the tele Telegraph, which is pretty much wait, like... What lockdown? There's right? no confirmed lockdown, no? Exactly, exactly. But the government, government sources leaked this to various different places. Everyone thought there was going to be a lockdown on Friday so that when on Friday all they do is basically shut down a few tube stations, we're like, oh, actually, this is all right. We can handle that. But if yeah. we went from nothing to suddenly we've shut down half of London, yeah. it's a bit crazy. So well, it, I, mean, I mean, to be fair, I was listening to the press conference yesterday by yeah. the Prime Minister and he did say uh, London would not have its tubes shut down, public transport would not be shut down, but he did say that schools would be shut down. So... I, I think it depends on what particular echo chambers you exist in. I've yeah. personally not heard that London's going on some kind of conspiracy-style lockdown. Um, but obviously, if you're getting WhatsApp... Hussam is still convinced, by the way, as I are a lot think, of people. No, but I, I would somewhat disagree with you, Adam, in that uh, I believe they did say that uh, they will react to the situation as it happened. So yeah. uh, as, as, as we know, earlier in the week, Mm. It was it was a herd immunity strategy, and yes. at the end of the week, it's a closed school strategy. So even though he said mm. he won't be closing tube stations, there's nothing to suggest that tomorrow he might not say we're going to lock down the whole country. That's so true, I think, and I think I, even the prime minister himself seems to be very forthcoming and saying we, we are willing to go further. Yeah. I think he said exactly. that three times. Yeah. So, so, so I, I think, think I think I think it's very it's still on the cards. It could still yeah. happen, but essentially, um, I think I think the the. The idea that we have you to to share the knowledge on on the doctor side. Yeah. Um, what what is your opinion and what do you think is the possible uh, you know improvement that doing some kind of a lockdown or self isolation will have on 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 curbing the spread of coronavirus? Flattening so, the curve. 
Yeah, so, so I would uh, personally fall back on my disclaimer of earlier. Um, the truth, because Listen, we had the disclaimer. Let's hear. Let's hear what Adam thinks. I mean, so, so I, what I could do for you is summarize that there are there seems to be two schools of thought because it's like, actually, it's like we're you, chatting to a politician. If you, look, on, if you look at the underlying science, it's actually quite difficult to know who's right because you have. The truth is quite distinguished professors and academics on one side saying we've not been fast enough. We needed to shut everything down earlier, etc. And then you have another school of thought, which is essentially those who are advising the current government. So the chief medical officer and the chief scientific advisor who seem to be taking things day by day and have certainly been criticized for being too slow. Um, my personal opinion, personal opinion, is that no one can really know how this thing is going to work out. It's not like there is a scientific consensus that just is not the case there are scientists who believe in one approach and there are scientists who believe in another and genuinely the you know the doctors and scientists advising from what i know are extremely distinguished academics and professors and for me personally that's who i would like to lead this country's response and and you you saying that is obviously uh, if we if we put britain alongside other the other european countries we could yeah. say that we are the anomaly here we are the ones that are doing what most other countries are not doing. Um, yeah. Now, I'm sure the chief medical officer is quite distinguished and whatever, whatnot. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know if you know more than I do. Um, but what do you think is the reason that, you know, I'm sure there's very good advice, but that we are doing something very different to the rest of Europe and potentially the rest of the world? So I think that was probably a bigger argument that we were being very different to the rest of the world when the government seemed to be suggesting that we should just aim for herd immunity, which I think was, as you mentioned, at the start of the week. The truth is that now that schools are shutting down and, you know, essentially everyone's being advised to stay at home, we're not being much different to the rest of the world. Um, and it seems like the lag time has been a few days, you know, so I don't think there's been that much of a different response from what I can see. But I, I, I would say that there's, there is a big difference between self-isolation and a lockdown because it has been imposed and... And, and Boris himself has said that a lot of people have been found not to follow the the self-isolation precaution yeah. and and that, you know, the, essentially there's nothing that can stop people. Whereas I know in, in parts of Europe, there are fines that will be handed out to people that don't follow this lockdown. People can essentially yeah. do whatever they want here. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so. that's true. And I, it's interesting because when you follow the news, you see that every day there is a new criticism of the government and their approach. So, for example, at the start of the week, it might have been, oh, you just want herd immunity. You don't mind if older and vulnerable yeah, people, people die. die yeah. And then that changed a little bit. And now people were saying, how can you not possibly shut down schools? And he shut down schools. And now people are moving on more to this argument, which I have heard several times today and yesterday. I, I, I feel like what, what's a bit, sorry to cut you off, but what's a bit worrying also is that, well, not worrying. I think it's quite positive, sorry, that we've moved past this kind of party political phase when it comes to looking at politics of, of all of this. Because actually now... It's like even the Labour Party are working with the Conservatives on this response. Yeah. And it's it's not a case of, oh, this is the Tories being heartless. And, and I'm still seeing a lot of that. But I feel like people who are doing that are still stuck in this kind of, oh, this is all about politics and money and whatever else. But actually, we're facing a, a pandemic, um, a health crisis like hasn't been seen in, in generations that yeah. can uh, effectively alter the course of history quite quite drastically. And financially, it definitely will already. Yeah, um, you know, so, restaurants and whatever else are closing down and everything else. But ha however, I, I could I, sorry to cut you off there. But yeah. if if I could just, I think based off my point and your point right now, I think this the thing that keeps playing in my mind is, 
okay, uh, a lockdown has happened in most of Europe. A lockdown hasn't happened in this country. And um, essentially, in my mind, what other the reason other than the economy is stopping a lockdown happening? That's here? not a small reason, though. Even if that's the case, that's not a small reason. Okay, but the thing is, but the fact that other countries in Europe have said that even though it's going to slow the economy, we're still going to, on the back end, be less hurt by the fact that there'll be less deaths, there'll be less this, less that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what, you, what you're suggesting by saying it's not a small thing is you're putting lives of people versus the economy. But, but, but then arguably you're talking about long-term lives of people because people losing jobs leads to higher suicide rates. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. Right? Even isolation, depression, all of these kind of things. There's going to be mm-hmm. mental health costs as well. But so essentially, I- in us isolate, in, in us doing a forced isolation at the very start, should hopefully reduce the amount of time that we're in this, which is essentially flattening the curve. No, because right? ultimately, zero-hour contracts, people are, are, are completely wiped out of employment altogether. Like there's there's a lot of costs. I, I don't think it's as simple as saying economy versus. So lives. I think. I think that is the key crux of the issue, which is that all the measures that people are asking the government to enforce are very high cost measures. They all have a very high cost. Be the opportunity economic, cost is huge, yeah. Societal or, you know, on the impact of health of people. So, for example, there was this question about to the government, why aren't you shutting down schools? And the rebuttal was, well, if you shut down schools, the people, the parents of those kids are going to have to go off work and look after them. Or, and then people at work, or they're going to have to put them with their grandparents who are even more vulnerable to the possible effects of coronavirus infection. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just one small example to demonstrate all the necessary steps that need to be taken all have a big impact and a big cost. They're not easy steps to take. So I think what really needs to happen is what's happening. There's a scientific advisory committee and there are scientists and people from all sorts of backgrounds chipping in on what they think is the right time, the optimal time to make these changes. And I think that's the key thing. I th- I mean, I, I, I really liked what you said about people dropping the kind of party politics thing because I consider myself quite an apolitical person. I have no interest in politics. And I, I don't feel that this is a particularly political issue. I actually feel the government is working with other parties. And that's quite heartening to see. As you say, we're in a, we're an unprecedented situation, um, so it's nice to feel that way that there's not really a party politics thing going on. Yeah. So moving the conversation along slightly, there was an opinion piece in the Independent um, that was talking about Muslim, like the Muslim community being at the at the front line <coughs> and most at risk when it comes to coronavirus. Um, and I think a lot of the argument was talking about the fact that we live in households with three generations or under one roof. And yeah. you've you've got um, the whole community aspect to it as well. You know, a lot of mosques and like a lot of mosques shut down, but some are still uh, open and, and, and a lot of elderly people. It's their kind of source of, of social and religious and everything, basically. It fulfills all of their needs. Um, wh- how do you think this is going to impact the community? Because I feel like especially with Ramadan coming up, um, it's going to be very different for all of us. Uh, in terms of breaking our fasts, not at the mosque and being at home and not being able to kind of benefit from the social side of things. Um, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, on the community side? Yeah, I think it's going to be very problematic. And if you zoom out just, I mean, as you rightly point out, there is a huge kind of importance of societal gathering, societal worship yeah. that is ingrained in Muslim culture and the religion. So we are currently in a situation where everyone, regardless of race, gender, religion, belief or no belief, 
everyone is being asked to isolate themselves, ideally even away from their family. So I think it's going to be very difficult for people, be they Muslim or not Muslim. I mean, for example, if you're an elderly person and you go for a walk every day and you go to bingo or you go to the gym and suddenly you're being asked to stay at home, that's going to have a very profound impact on your physical and mental health. So Can I ask I, a quick, quick, quick question um, in terms of the government guidelines. So if you're self-isolating, you can still go for walks. Is that correct? Uh, I think it depends on your particular health background. So, for example, people, there was some discussion. I don't know if this is actually policy, but there was some discussion in one of the press conferences that if you are over 70, you should stay at home for 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, if you are isolating, as in you are actually got symptoms, you should not leave your home. But if you're, if, if you're isolating because someone else has symptoms? Well, you're still isolating, so you should not leave your home for 14 days. And that's the government wow. guidance that's available. Absolutely. Available on gov.uk. So it's that if you have symptoms, you should self-isolate for seven days and try and not be in contact with anyone else. All right. And so, so, so I think this is probably the time to bring up the, 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 the Muslim vibe situation. The right situation now. in the Muslim vibe office. Oh, it, yeah, it's quite intense. So um, quite uh, intense. On on uh, Monday, yeah, Nuri wasn't feeling too well. I don't know if we should name names, but this isn't. You shouldn't like... name names, to be honest. Okay, so let's just say Shuri. Right. <laughs> so, so so Shuri wasn't feeling too well. Shuri, the... Shuri, 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 our video producer, um, wasn't feeling too well. Uh, but it was like cold-like symptoms. Yeah. Uh, finally, actually, he he could thought... you be a bit more descriptive than cold-like symptoms? Because, okay, he, you know... he had a block nose. Block nose, I think. We he had, had a block nose, and he had a runny nose. Yeah. And there was one more essential symptom. What was it? Headache. A cough. A, a cough. cough. Oh, and he had a cough, right? But he he thought the solution to this was uh, a bottle of um, orange juice and honey. Honey. Sure. I don't I don't know where he got that from. It might be like a, an old wives' tale. Yeah. Um, no, but... it, it was actually that he thought that it was it was normal because he left his house without an adequate jacket. Yeah, and so he had a cold. Another he might another still great... have a cold though. That's fine. But anyways, the next yeah. day, um, another... maybe he came out of a hot shower with wet hair. Yeah, yeah. Wait, before the end of this podcast, we should definitely talk about that, please. We we definitely should about what? We'll, we'll come. I'll, I'll come to that question later on. But carry okay. on. Okay, sorry. So then on on uh, Tuesday, um, one of our team members who will remain completely unknown and anonymous um also fell ill um and they had headaches i believe and also a cough they didn't come in on wednesday on wednesday another team member carried on coming into the office and also developed a cough um and is that it is that all all that they had i think so yeah, but three people, headaches, cough and all that stuff. So now all of these people are uh, basically self-isolating at home. Um, and then in the office, there was myself, Hassam, Hasib, and Ayaz. In fact, if you know the other team members, you can figure out who wasn't, who the people are that I just <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> but anyway, so so then there was just four of us left in the office. Um, and, and we kind of thought, well, if all these guys have had these uh, symptoms and they're all based in the office... And, it all, and they've all been in the office and we've been in close contact. We had lunch together like on Wednesday and Tuesday, in fact. Then surely we should all be self-isolating. Is that correct? I think that's a, that's a logical thing to do. As I was saying to you earlier, I think that's quite reasonable. Yeah. But the government guidance is that it is advice for people who have symptoms and those who with whom they share a household. Yeah. 
Yeah, but so, the, the TMV office is like a home. It's not even a house. It's a home. Oh, Do you know what there I mean? you go. Hussam, you is, go. Hussam is my brother. That's it. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. So I, I, I made the right move then. Because I've literally, I literally brought my computer from from the office yesterday. Yeah, um, I've set up. I've like taken over my mum's workspace. Yeah, um, and and this is so. Now so, me. so to clarify and be informative to all the listeners, essentially yeah. to break it down, what you're saying is anyone who is in the workplace, not at home, in the workplace with someone who shows symptoms, they don't necessarily need to self isolate. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, that's but, very. But, but but you're also saying that logically, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Well, I think logically it would make sense that if you spent a lot of time with someone who might have symptoms, yeah, and you should avoid the workplace. That's because logic. because with one person, I didn't mind them self isolating me carrying on, but we've had three people that have come down with like similarly weird uh, cough type symptoms, and and the cough has been the main thing. Yeah, um, I, I just it just doesn't make sense that we should take the risk. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that you know the government's guidance is that anyone that can work from home should. So I think that you've done a good thing and you're following government guidance. And what do you have to say for Hussam, who who is still in the office despite all Actually, this? To, to my credit, to my credit, seeing as everyone else is working from home, I'm technically isolating in the office because there's no oh, one else here. With all, with all the virus that exists on the surfaces for three days. <laughs> and, and Hasib that's laughing in the background, right? <laughs> wow. He said he wasn't coming in. He, he just turned up. So... Uh... <laughs> I mean, um, to clarify, the, yeah. the guidance currently is that anyone with a cough or fever, yeah. so it's a fever or a new persistent cough, should isolate for seven days. And anyone in their household, yeah. if they don't have symptoms, should isolate for 14 days. And that allows for overlap of incubation periods. So explain so, that. Explain what you mean by that. So the theory from my understanding for this is, yeah. if by the end of the seven days, no one in your household gets symptoms, yeah. There could potentially be a window in which they then develop symptoms later because of what's called the incubation period, yes. which is the period between the time that you're infected with a bug and the time that you display symptoms. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because this is a new virus, we're not really certain about how long the incubation period is and about what people who get coronavirus always present like. So as you alluded to earlier, sometimes you can have people without symptoms. Um, there was a paper published uh, recently in a very big medical journal in which I think something like 40% of patients at presentation who were later proven to have coronavirus didn't have a fever. So it's not it's a difficult scenario we're in, but essentially that is the government guidance to try and cover for the possibility of incubation periods. So it's the seven days for the person with symptoms, 14 days for everyone else in the household. And and I have, a, I have another sort of personal uh, question with regards to how contagious this is. Um, because again, all we kind of hear on the on the layperson end of things is that oh, this is more contagious than flu. Yeah. Um, but uh, c can you kind of elaborate and explain like how this this contagiosity takes place? Contagiousness. What what is it like? How how do you how do contagiosity was that? Was, yeah, yeah. Sorry, contagiosity. That... But I'm with the doctor. He, he, the doctor didn't correct me, and you're trying to explain that. Uh, so there is. Um, <laughs> He's not even going to acknowledge it. This isn't my uh, my particular background, but I think that in, in the field of epidemiology, there is a value called the R0 value. And, yes, the R0... and this is 2.4, 2. is that correct? I think, yeah, I think that's right. Because I, I, had a call, I had a call with someone who mentioned this. Yeah, so that value represents Knowledge. the number of people that any given person who's got the infection is likely to infect. So if, if it's 2.4, you'd expect that one person with the infection will infect between two and three people. 
Um, and the aim, as I heard yesterday in the press conference, is to get that R0 value less than one, I think it is, so that you're not, in, on average, you're not infecting more people. Um, I don't actually know what the infectiousness or contagiousness, if those even are words. Conta actually, contagiosity uh, was the word. I think that's what you went for, but, you know, I'm not really... Sounds all right. Like, you could have run with it if you just, you know... No, you just... you, I, I am running with it. you just got to use it as well now. Then we'll make yeah. it a thing. I don't know what... The, R, the, R, the RX number of the word contagiosity will be two. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know what I don't know how self isolation has definitely got to. I'm losing my mind. I'm not going to lie. I wish I wish you guys could see a uh, a view of of uh, Salim's home office right now because uh, it was a shock to me. No, it looks alright. It's not mine. I mean, I've just. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, uh, Adam. Doctor Adam, please carry on. Yeah, so, I mean, just as you were saying, the comparison between flu and coronavirus, I think yeah. it was an interesting comparison that people tried to jump to before the gravity of the situation was fully appreciated. Um, and obviously, it was a very poor comparison because coronavirus seems to have a particular, it seems like it's more contagious in that it's spread all over the world. Yeah. And it seems to have a higher mortality. You know, there are not just mortality, but morbidity. So obviously, the the death rate in the over seventies is, is concerning. Is that is that is that fact? What you've just said. So is it fact that it uh, the mortality rate of coronavirus is higher than flu? Because because uh, I'll be honest with you, I I've been I've been trying to uh, defend and calm everyone around me by saying, listen, right now there's about two thousand people dead from coronavirus, and the average yeah. flu kills about ten thousand, and that seems to have calmed everyone, including myself, down. So let me know. Are you about to make me panic? Uh, so what I was actually going to talk about was morbidity, which is not death, but the what, stuff. What does morbidity mean? Morbidity is not death, but kind of disease and the negative effects of a condition you know, before death. So for example, yeah. having to go on a ventilator and other such things. Um, it's interesting about the mortality because I kind of just flippantly said it was a higher mortality, but I don't actually know, to be honest with you. Like, depending on who you're listening to, you'll hear varying things. The government estimate was that the mortality is about 1%. Right. And from what I know, from memory, flu is about 2 So it's okay. it's quite variable. The problem is... It's difficult to know what the mortality of coronavirus is because not everyone in the world who might have it is being tested. Right. So what you can do is say there's, say, 100,000 people with the infection and, say, 100 people have died. And that is the number of people that have died divided by the number of positives that you know about. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the same as saying the number of people have died divided by everyone who's got coronavirus and was fine. <clears throat> yeah so those are different calculations obviously and so because, we so we just don't know so I, I can still run with the argument that flu kills more people than corona i mean what i'd say to you is there's a lot of misinformation around these days so i would urge you to use reputable sources um i'm sure if i pushed you a little bit it would be interesting to hear where you got those particular facts it was, it was a whatsapp <laughs> but, um, forward yeah whatsapp forward <laughs> do you get my point so um i mean it's interesting i remember when at the start of this pandemic someone said to me that the mortality of flu was 11 percent and it was someone in my office just mentioned it and I just completely was like, okay yeah that sounds about right and then later you hear that it's nothing like that so it's a very interesting time where we are you know it's interesting to think about where you get your information from and and how you believe it Fake um, news. but yeah I mean it's, it's a concerning thing obviously because of the advent of social media and the ease of access of information I um, think just, this is the I right time people to be careful I think that, sorry to cut you off, I think this is the right time to ask you the imperative question that I think as 
since this is the the TMV podcast, the Muslim Vibe podcast, uh, which obviously uh, predominantly will be listeners will be from Asian Asian backgrounds, Middle Eastern backgrounds, people who are Muslim, uh, even converts. But essentially, there is one thing that I I always try to put to coming from our backgrounds put yeah. to doctors, right? Yeah. Okay, there is a thing in in our cultures that. Is basically I can only say I don't know what the word in, in, in any of Asian languages is, but in the Arabic language it would be istibrad, which is essentially kind of catching a cold. And the way that we're brought up is that you know uh, if we come out of the shower, leave the house, and it's cold outside, we will get ill, right? And I've always been had a qualm with this because I used to play rugby at school, and I used to see kids have a shower and then run into the field. Uh, in shorts and a t-shirt and they're totally fine and it seemed like I was the only person that would get ill and so I was like is that is that just an Arab thing is that an Asian can I, thing c- can I escalate this a little bit go ahead so 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 this same phenomenon um I have a friend who's probably listening to this who claimed um that they got um facial paralysis facial from paralysis. from from Lafit Hawal twisted wind I think is how you might translate that Right, and this is apparently something that can happen. So, I think this is one of those if you know, you know situations. But, um, Dr. Adam, Dr. Adam, Dr. Adam, could you please, please, for once and all, you want me to settle this one? Yeah, settle, settle. I'm about to settle it because can I just say, I think it's it's complete nonsense in the field of medicine and science. There's lots of uncertainty, there's lots of things we don't know about, there's lots of things about which we can't be sure. This is not one of them. It's 100% true. And it's the most highly established fact in science everyone knows. Estebrad is a thing, man. We learn it, we learn it at medical school. Wait, wait, wait. It's well wait, wait to, to the extent of facial paralysis. Okay, that is a bit mad. I've never heard of that one. But Estebrad is very well known amongst particularly Iraqi culture. Um, obviously, I'm joking a bit. Uh, I think, um, I think I, you know, I would say to you this, yeah? Working at Heathrow, we get calls all the time from people who are unwell. And one thing I've heard, because obviously anyone with a cough needs to report their symptoms. One thing that we always get is a call from people saying, I've been coughing a bit on the flight, but I'm not sure if it's the AC. So I can't think of any particular reason why AC would make you cough. I think it's a kind of estebrad kind of mindset that, oh, AC made me cough, gave me a cold. You know, it exists in actually a lot of cultures. It probably is a bit true. Um, but I, I, I obviously based on what? Just, I mean, it's it's a bit of an old wives' tale, isn't it? Okay, sorry. So I've done a bit of googling. Be, uh, there seems to be some kind of few scanty bits of evidence that it might be true, as you yeah. said. You what, always get what evidence it. is this? Because I'm, I am still, I, I am. First of all, just so that people know, I am that one person to say there is no clinical evidence to suggest. And obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I've done my research. Hopefully, yeah. and. There is no clinical evidence to suggest that stepping out into colder weather could make you get ill, right? So that that's your body temperature being much higher than the temperature outside um, or the, yeah, the place that you go into causing you, you every time. But that is true, and I think that 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 would be just personal reasons. That's that psychological reasons. I mean, that's like, social yeah. reasons. So, that's so the truth stuff. is, the truth is that your cultural and psychological background determines your physical health. So those things are important. You can't separate them out. It's not easy to separate them out. And in medicine, you know, it's difficult to know what's true and what isn't. And we just have evidence to support particular viewpoints. The 
highest level of evidence would be what's called a randomized controlled trial. I can't believe we're talking about this for Istibrad. <laughs> that is essentially where you get two random groups of people and subject one to an intervention and the other to a control. So, for example, in this scenario, you'd get one group and get them to go out after a shower, one group, I guess, not to, and see if there was any difference in the way they actually doing. I think we should fundraise, fundraise to get this done. Absolutely, because... Unfortunately, randomized control trials cost time, money, effort, and you know institutional power. So to determine the question about istibrad, it's probably so low I, I down. Think, on I, I think maybe yeah. once, maybe once they've cured coronavirus, um, we can get them to start looking into this one. Uh, Adam, with your support, sounds good. Um, I unfortunately I can't support it. I already know the answer, which is that istibrad is definitely true. Okay, very good. So um. That, that tangent aside, if we can quickly, I guess, come back to, to coronavirus a little bit. So in terms of I, I see this playing out in a way that we're going to be in this state of self-isolation and, and social distancing and everything else for quite some time. Um, yeah. What are the measures that people can take, especially in a situation where they have elderly family members and everything else? Um, yeah. How how do we kind of uh, exist without losing our mental well-being, but also... Um, like being able to take care of our elderly? I think it's going to be very difficult, especially if people have elderly people at home. That's a particularly difficult scenario. Yeah. Um, you know, there is there is the general kind of uh, government and public health guidance, which I think has to be the basis of everyone's activity, which is minimizing social interactions, very, very careful hand washing, ideally for 20 seconds before and after, you know, entering your home, leaving home, entering work at specific time points. Um, and, you know, trying to maintain distance from other people in your house, all these things are very difficult to achieve. Um, so I think it's going to be particularly difficult if you have old people in the house and, you know, um, people are going to have to be creative. That's the truth. And is it a case that if, if we don't find the vaccine uh, soon or soon enough, then it's just going to have to pass through the entire entirety of society um, and then we'll be done with coronavirus? Well, I think if you looked at the worst case scenario, which is yeah. no vaccine, and let's imagine we had a government that took absolutely no steps to try and mitigate the effects of the virus. Yeah. Uh, as per the scientific modeling, the virus would make its way through everyone in the community yeah. and affect about 80% of people. And then people would either develop herd immunity or the virus would have no one left to infect. So that that is kind of... So you know, the, the virus would end at some point. It would end because there would be no one left for it to infect and eventually it would die out. But the key about the contained delay research mitigate approach is the so-called flattening the curve, which I don't know if you've heard about. Yeah, yeah I said it to you earlier. That, yeah, so that, that flattening, I, I didn't see that from you actually. No, so, I, I did. I, I, it was, I'll it was from back me. To you after. You just, no, you just repeated what I said. I said flattening the curve. But no, I, to... I, I'm pretty sure it was me that said that. I'm going to have to unblock you on WhatsApp to uh, see if, if you actually did send that. Anyway, so the, the idea is that obviously that, that curve represents all the people who have the infection. Yeah. Issue is not necessarily dying. The issue is people who need ventilators, who need to go to intensive care units. And by flattening the curve, you lessen the burden on the, na the National Health Service. So that really is one of the key aims of flattening the curve. Mm. So in answer to your question, which was you know, would this just pass through the whole of society? The truth is, regardless of what we do, even if we did nothing, it would pass through the whole of society uh, and everyone would get in, or about 80% of people would get infected and lots of people would die and lots of people would need ventilators. 
but the 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 delay and mitigate approaches are to try and flatten that so-called curve. So uh, it, what you're saying is it was still about bit... paradoxically, if you flatten the curve, you prolong the duration of the pandemic. Yeah. The most important thing is that you keep the demand on critical resources yeah. uh, kind of as low as possible so that yeah, the yeah. National Health Service isn't overwhelmed. So there's actually a great video um, that Vox produced, which I'll put in the description here, that kind of talks through all of this and explains the science a little bit. Yeah. And essentially, they've got the constant line horizontally, which is the ICU beds. Yeah. Um, and if we if we peak too early in terms of the number of cases and, and number of people that need ICU, then not only are you going to lose a lot of people to coronavirus, but also like normal preventative, preventable deaths, you'll also get a lot more of those because people that have the common flu, for example... Um, and and with the right assistance and ventilators could uh, make a full recovery would also potentially die because absolutely. of the strain and, and and ultimately that's what it comes down to right absolutely but what what's interesting from like a broader perspective then is that when you look at um, society and how we're kind of living well beyond our means I feel like in terms of resources and we're we're plundering the earth of all of our natural resources yeah um, it's it's weird to think that we're having to kind of slow down and shrink and stop doing what we're doing just to just to survive and i think that's the reality check that we've all been given by all of this do you know yeah. what i mean like we've literally been crippled and and yes like it's weird but the world is still going on like we don't need to travel as much as we're traveling yeah um do all of the things that we normally do uh, and and i think that in some cities they're seeing that like the the carbon monoxide levels are already decreasing yeah there was a there was a picture of the Venice Canal, I think. Oh, um, with a dolphin. Where you could where you could see the bottom and you could see the fish swimming. Yeah. Um, and it's just getting a lot clearer because there aren't all those boats in there polluting it constantly. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I feel like I don't know. Depending on how long this all goes on, we could see like the very fabric of society shifting, and and and, and post coronavirus, we could live a very different life to what we lived before. Like this kind of interaction could be the norm. Like three guys sat on Skype um chatting could be the the version of going to a coffee shop with some friends but i i did have this conversation with salim i think it was a couple of days ago i i my person maybe it was salim maybe it was someone else but my personal opinion is i believe that it will be the opposite i believe that just after this ends uh we're gonna get the worst case of society we've ever seen because everyone will feel like they need a release and so you'll get everyone going on holiday and everyone going out and everyone doing this and that and i i, I don't see that it will get bad i think i think we are in for an even worse position after after this current i think the coronavirus is something that if we were a logical society i feel like things would change but i think the the last the last uh 10 20 years has showed us that it's not gonna. It, where the we last, were, we're the last two weeks has shown us that. Look at the whole toilet paper crisis we're facing. Exactly. Exactly. You know I think what? like Sainsbury's tried to have an hour for the elderly and 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 for disabled people to do their shopping, and it basically just got overrun with with regular folk who couldn't wait uh, an extra forty five minutes to get their whatever they wanted. Um. So yeah, it's it's crazy times. Adam, your yeah, thoughts? Absolutely, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's been extremely humbling to see how a virus has kind of crippled the world and made the world as we know it fall apart um you know obviously things have changed in a very dramatic way and they could look to change even more so i think there's a lot of food for thought in there for people who are interested in the way in which society is run and and kind of operates because it's been extremely humbling 
Um, and it's scary. I think it's really scary. It's made me reconsider life and death and, you know, what wellness means to me and how privileged I am to be able to walk outside and live with my parents and, you know, even like basic stuff like hug my mom and dad, give them a kiss. You know, even these small things that before you wouldn't really think about what they mean. Um, suddenly you have having to start thinking about what you do and actually living in a in a way that's not selfish. You know, you have to think that maybe small things that you might do have a might have a big repercussion. Yeah. So it's been very humbling and I'm frightened and interested and intrigued to see what way the world is going to go from here. No, 100%. Um, I, I think also like we haven't yet reached this place, but the the mental health impact of everything that's happening right now is going to be huge. Absolutely. Um, the whole perspective. I, I'm like, I'm not losing it, but like I'm a very social person. And yeah. and for me, I feel like I'm in prison sometimes being at home. Not that I don't love my family. Um, obviously, I do. But I don't know why you both look at me like that. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> I do love my family. But it's just the, the case You're of always being... out chilling with us. I'm all... <laughs> I would say to you, it's, I think that's very interesting. Um, I would say two things to you. Firstly, what's yeah. been getting me through it is the memes. Oh, my God. The number of quarantine, quarantine and sibling memes. They're just getting me through it. Alhamdulillah for memes. We live in a very, very good world at the moment where whatever happens, we can rely on a solid, steady stream of memes to get us through. That's the first but You know thing. what? It's the good, it's good and the bad that we get with that. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? But but as in like, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to be serious for a second. We'll let you get back to your humorous list. But... Um... No, we had a serious point. We just had a roll eyes. What I was saying is that, like, you know, at times of like the bubonic plague back in the day when, when millions of people died, uh, arguably it would be easier to go through that because you don't actually know the extent of it. You just know that, like, a few people in your local village have been dying and, and getting sick and whatever else. Whereas here we can, like, see around the world everything that's happening. We can see footage from inside every hospital. We can yeah. hear doctors saying, please, this, that, whatever. Whereas um, before, it was just a case of like, you don't really know what's happening and then people are just dying. So it, it's... This is bliss sort of thing. Yeah. Well, we're but the sorry. opposite of that, which is you can know everything in every corner of the world 24-7 on news channels, which is what you're exactly. alluding to. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, which I think is a bit worrying. But sorry, back to your list. Oh, yeah, well, memes. Yeah, very important. But the other thing I was going to say was... Uh, Oh, I forgot the other thing I was going to say. It was a nice point, though. It was an important one. Sorry, I forgot. That's a shame. Yeah, it was a nice one as well. Best with his chi. Oh, oh, no, I remember my point. So basically, yeah, because of the coronavirus thing, I've been working overtime and like and then some. So like, I'm currently in the middle of a 12-day stretch, and uh, I had worked, I think, five or six days in a row, and it was my first day off in a few weeks. And I woke up at about 10 a.m., and by 11 a.m., I was bored and I wanted to kill myself. 11 a.m. So the level of cabin fever for someone that goes out every day had hit me by one hour of being at home. <laughs> and that is, it was just like very humbling and a bit embarrassing. I was like, like, gosh, like everyone is being asked to isolate themselves in a very major way for a very significant period of time. Um, and I can barely hack one hour. I mean, I did manage to get through the day just about, but it was... It was, yeah, it was humbling to see that. It's the psychology of really it, though, right? Like, like, it's the psychology of it. Like, you, you can spend the whole Saturday at home and, and there's no problem. But the second you're told, no, you can't leave, yeah. all of a sudden you feel like, oh, no, but I, I want to leave. I have to leave. What, what do you mean I can't leave? Absolutely. Um, and that's, the, that's the, the weird thing of it. But 
So look, I mean, it, it looks like I don't need to be self-isolating based on, on what you said according to the, the, the government's advice, but I might continue this for the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. It's been... Hosan, I mean, why are you I, shaking your head? I think personally that you are following the government's advice because, as I mentioned earlier, anyone that can work from home should... You know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's like, you know, from an Islamic perspective, when you've got a hadith, you've got the literal meaning of the hadith, then you've got the sense of what's being said. Allah. Is, is no one feeling this? Allah. I'm loving it, bro. Oh, you're loving it? Okay, good. I'm on another that. level. <laughs> so no, but what I mean by that is like the sense of of what's being said. You, <laughs> I can't I can't take you seriously if you're gonna wave your arms while I'm talking. Praise um, the Lord, Hallelujah. <laughs> um, okay, I I think maybe we're we're getting to that place where we should end. Otherwise, this might descend a little bit into um, <laughs> anarchy. Um, Hassam, any last thoughts from you? Um, yes, I've got a question for you. Have you watched? No, not for you. For, for our guests. Dr. Alam, uh, have you watched the film Contagion? I have not. Okay. Uh, interestingly, interestingly, I, I would say that I'm a very cynical person, but very interestingly, uh, there were a lot of claims that uh, the coronavirus was actually spread from a bat. Are we now, okay? Oh, God, go on. Now, now I, I just want to know, like, um, I, do you reckon that there is any scientific uh basis that this may actually have come from a bat and if so why do you think hollywood knows it so well that they were able to create a whole film about a coronavirus like disease that was spread by a bat um i adam I... can i give you some legal advice yeah because don't answer, don't answer that question <laughs> it, it'll just discredit you whatever you say it's not gonna it's not gonna work out for you i'd like to plead the fifth is that right yeah, yeah let's move on <laughs> <laughs> but no it is interesting like I, i'll jump in because as you know as the doctor in the room we don't want him to 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 stoop to our level save but me save me save me Salim, save me i i've seen contagion it's a very interesting film um i i think it's definitely worth uh you're right that there are a, a lot of kind of coincidences in that i think it is purely coincidence it's like I was, people are... i was obviously not suggesting that it was, i'm just trying to work out whether no, you said you said why do Hollywood know that it was a bat? <laughs> that was Literally, what that you was... said. <laughs> I'm just quoting you back to yourself. Okay, forget that bit. Forget that bit. But honestly, honestly, do you reckon that we, um, whether whether there is credit to the idea that it's come from? I I, I didn't want to descend into into conspiracy theories. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, you're trying to drag us. You're trying to drag us down. That is not a conspiracy theory. And this channel shall not be dragged through the mud, good sir. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, if you, if you do watch the Joe Rogan show, a very, very good podcast, he did, actually, he did actually speak with a coronavirus expert yeah. who was suggesting that, listen, there's not enough data at the moment, but there are yeah. different people, different parts of the world that have opinions on whether this did come from wet markets, whether it came from animals such as bats, such as, um, I think he, he said uh, there was one other animal uh, like a ferret. Oh, yeah, he said a ferret. Uh, it, it could have been from a ferret. But essentially, at that moment, he's been so busy that he hasn't been able to look at all the research. So I just wanted to know... <laughs> the someone... coronavirus expert was too busy to look into coronavirus. Yeah, well, that's actually <laughs> true. He's actually been too busy to look into the origins. Uh, he's been focusing on trying to deal with it, which is... Okay. Uh... Some random doctor who graduated a few years ago to come clear it up. In fact, he actually had some very interesting things to say about... Uh, the use of face masks and stuff like that. And apparently he's written a book. Uh, he wrote a book just after the SARS outbreak. Uh, 
which uh, maybe it's worth linking that in the description actually because sounds good. He yeah he uh, he does mention a lot of very very good points. But what what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think what you mentioned at the end of this being like a, a virus that seems to be mixed of lots of different animals or few animals. Um, I'd heard that there's a very big overlap between this particular coronavirus genome and that of the coronavirus that affects bats. So that is, I've heard about that, obviously. Um, what What do you mean? Uh, oh, no, then, that was specific. Oh, right. Yeah. So I wasn't uh, looking. What did you do? No, no, no I was just uh, like, um, carry you, on. Point, you were pointing. Bio. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So obviously there is a lot of research that suggests there is a link between the coronavirus that exists in humans currently and the yeah. genome of that that affects bats. I don't know what the etiology or the link is. Um, obviously, there's been things like someone ate a bat or someone was close with bats. There's also a paper that's published by, I think, some group in China um, that had suggested or hypothesized that there is a laboratory in Wuhan very close to the epicenter that might be the source of the outbreak. Apparently, there were... I mean, I don't know it in detail, but apparently... Is, is, that, is that an actual paper? Like, yeah, it's an it? actual scientific paper. But You've the, read it. When I tried to find it in English, I couldn't find it in English. Uh, this is this is going down the rabbit hole. I wasn't expecting this from you, Adam. I mean, no, no it's, a, it's an academic paper, but it's uh, the truth is that they're hypothesizing about the, the source. So it's an academic paper that you haven't read in English? No, I read the abstract in English. Oh, you read the Chinese version with your, so, with your so Mandarin the abstract degree? Is the, the abstract is like a summary of the paper, and that's been translated into English. Okay. Uh, don't worry, I'll explain what abstract is later. But, <laughs> but the original paper couldn't be found. With this operation, you guys need that explanation. So basically, yeah, um, I tried to find the paper in English to read it in full, but I, I couldn't really. But, you know, the truth is people are people, and I think everyone loves a good juicy conspiracy theory. So yeah. you can look in and find lots and lots of very interesting and juicy, you know, conspiracy theories to try and explain why this terrible thing has happened to us. But, um, but yeah, uh, I think, um, to be honest, it's not my main concern at the moment, to be really honest with you. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to. I didn't want to be addressing that. But thanks, Sam, for for taking us there. Um, any uh, that that's for Sam. Thank you for that. Any other business that you gave us, uh, Doctor Adam Ali, junior doctor who's currently at Heathrow helping save lives. Yes. Um, anything else you would like to say to us and our listeners? No, I think uh, you know. I just uh, want to apologise to you. Obviously, I know you've been trying to get me on the Muslim vibe for a very, very long time. You're Big fan of my work. You think I'm fantastic. One of your most enjoyable friends to spend time with, have a chat with. So I do appreciate your perspective. Uh, just apologize that I've been so busy and, you know, I hope it's been a productive discussion. Inshallah, we can all take something away. It's been yeah. very good for me to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just to summarize for, for, for the listeners, so, so do you feel like on a societal basis that for the future, the best thing is we isolate until it gets through society or we have a vaccine is that is that the in your yeah. in your humble opinion do you feel yeah. like that that is the yeah. way for us to for me survive? personally i think that we should follow the government's advice which is based on the best supposedly based on the best medical and scientific evidence and that is anyone with symptoms should isolate for seven days anyone in their household for 14 days and generally people should self-isolate as much as they possibly can those who are over 70 or ha who have underlying medical conditions even more so and Hopefully, we'll be able to get through it together. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you, Doctor. Ho hopefully, when you're not so busy, we can get you back on and we can talk about less um, less pressing issues. Yeah. Because um, I know you, you you lecture at university and and you are very comfortable speaking to large crowds and and love to 
share your wealth of uh, knowledge and insight with, your with the depth, world. Your breadth your depth. of knowledge. Yes. Um, we, we can't begin to exude platitudes about you enough. Fath- we can't fathom the depths in which your knowledge extends. Yes, those things are all correct. Thank you very much for having me. Inshallah, um, <laughs> until next time. Take care. Take care, bro. That was our conversation with uh, Dr. Adam. Dr. Adam. Yes. Uh, very, very informative, very well educated, very intelligent, very smart. In my in our ongoing series of complimenting, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're trying to pimp him out somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is he is I, single. Um, he, he is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, as we said, we've we've known we've no, we've both known Adam for for some time. Um, it was good to have him on the podcast actually and hear him being a lot more serious than I'm used to hearing him. Um, yeah. But he 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 does genuinely uh, know a lot when it comes to this kind of thing, and he's one of those doctors that takes a, a, a very keen interest in in his subject matter and and like lives this stuff if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately the most important thing is to appreciate and, and one thing that he said quite a few times was looking at the understanding the government response and how it is an informed response. And I think, you know, we can have all our conspiracy theories when we party political and everything else. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, um, we, we do need to, to be careful, to be safe, to look after our families as well and do what's best for them. And sometimes what's best for your for your parents, for your grandparents might be not to see them for a few weeks. And it sounds like the weirdest thing to be able to say. But, but we need to be careful, we need to be responsible um, because we don't want to be the ones that um, transmit this disease to other people, so this virus to other people and, and could impact, I guess, um, their lives. Yeah, and then essentially, I think, I think we, 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 I should have said it on the podcast, to be honest, but uh, I think what this is, this is really... This No, no, but as in, well, when we were speaking to Dr. Adam, but I think what, what really hit home for me was that uh the story that was covered and i can't remember what reliable outlet but mm. it was essentially following the path of one uh coronavirus that was on reuters uh, you showed me that article that was on reuters reuters exactly very very credible uh in which one woman had basically in south korea had managed to infect over 2000 people simply because she had not uh isolated early enough so she so, developed. She developed. I remember. You, I'll, I'll again. I put the link in the in the description. But she put. Um, sorry, she developed a fever, but at that point she didn't go to the hospital. She didn't get tested. She just carried on. She went to church. Um, I think she went to a restaurant as well, if I'm not mistaken. She did. She went. She went to a restaurant in and, a hotel. And basically, kind of clusters, coronavirus clusters developed off the back of that. Um, and then those people all got infected. I think there was like you know dozens in the church and and elsewhere. And they kind of went out and they basically scientifically tried to kind of track each individual and they they saw the spread from just one individual who didn't take the proper measures and i think we're at a stage now where the early days of coronavirus it was all a bit of fun and games um and 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 as adam mentioned like the memes they do keep us going we have a good chuckle every now and then but we need to appreciate and understand the very serious backdrop of all of this um yeah that's that's pretty much everything i think so yeah, we'll try and bring out some more informative content. Yeah, to be honest, like I'm, I'm, I'm here stuck at home for the next two weeks. I say stuck at home, but like I'm, I'm gonna try and self-isolate and and take some time. And and anyone listening to the, this podcast, 
definitely has time on their hands. So uh, yeah, well, to be honest, I'm going to be giving a call to all of our previous guests as well and see who's who's up for coming on. And, and I'm I'm trying. I don't know how feasible it's going to be, but I'm going to see if we can do like a mini um, series and and just get out as much content as possible over the next few weeks because I appreciate the fact that people have time on their hands. Um, you should you should you should ask everyone on the on the Facebook group to suggest who you should uh, reach out to and interview. Yes, that's a good idea. I will do that. Um, and yes, if you're listening as well, do join our Facebook group. I think that's pretty much everything for for today. Um, we will be back with more content. I don't know when, probably sooner rather than later. Um, stay tuned and stay safe. Take care, guys. Peace.